Hi everyone, and welcome to Fine Vines and Wine. I'm your host, Karis Pixie, and each week I'll be giving you all an insight into the behind the scenes of our favorite beverage, wine. I'd love for you to use this podcast platform as a winery guide for your next weekend away, exploring everything Australia has to offer. You never know, you might discover a new spot or two to visit. I acknowledge the Cadigal and the Bunurong Boon Wurrung and the Wurundjeri Woi Wurrung peoples, traditional custodians of the land that we recorded today's podcast episode on. I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging, for they hold the memories, the traditions, the culture and hopes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples across the nation. On this week's episode of Fine Vines and Wine, I'm joined by Naomi Holt and Nick McAvoy, the founders of Tipsy Aunt Flo, a wine brand who donates a massive 50% of their profits towards ending period poverty, which is incredible. Thank you so much for joining me today. How has the beginning, beginning of your week been? Oh, it's been good. Thank you for having us, by the way. And um, yeah, beginning of our week's been yeah great. It's always cool hearing a little intro like that or something. <laughs> wow, I sound so important. <laughs> Where did the initial idea for Tipsy Aunt Flo come from? But my family owns a winery. Yeah, so that's how it all originally started, I guess. And well, I was selling the wine through my own personal wine label, and then mm. I decided to do something for um, the bushfires we had, which yeah. kind of inspired me to do something more socially responsible with that wine label. I guess that's when I went to Gnomes and um, said that that's what I wanted to do, and I'd love for her to be part of it. So. Well, I think I just bulldozed my way in <laughs> because he would just bounce off ideas with me and I just became more and more involved and then he kind of went, oh, I think you should actually be involved. So we knew that that's we- the best way. Yeah. <laughs> so we knew we wanted to do a wine label that had a social aspect and donated to charity and we really thought for a while about what charity and what cause we could pitch our wagon to that actually mm. worked with wine because I think that you don't mental health is a big thing that we both are really passionate about but alcohol can really negatively impact your mental health so I think the relationship there doesn't work as well so there was a lot of time on the drawing board trying to think about something we were passionate about that actually was we could responsibly pair with wine. That's when our gnomes came to the conclusion that um, periods would be the perfect perfect I guess um way to do that because and I legitimately we were like sitting on big dining room tables like a boardroom table but not really and we're walking back and forth and we're just bouncing ideas and I just like looked at him and like put my hands in the air and was like periods (laughs) and he just said what What? (laughs) and I was like stay with me stay with me and he eventually stayed with me (laughs) it took me a while and then I I guess I went um, back and did some, I guess, research because to get my head around it. But then it was like the perfect pairing, I guess, uh, pun intended, because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just Googled it. And then there's all this, like, I guess, articles and even research about how, like, the link between wine and women on their periods. And it just seemed to make so much sense. But like that, once I got over that initial, I guess, like visual aspect of like red wine and periods, then it was kind of just yes. perfect. Yeah, the perfect idea. Where to me, the visual, I'm like, yes. yes. I can use that. 
our marketing. <laughs> Let's push it. <laughs> and that's the thing as well is like you could also like marketing-wise get that, I guess, shock kind of value. Mm. Mm. No, definitely. No, I love that idea. And I love how you guys were just brainstorming and it sort of just popped into your head. And yes, with marketing, you can do so much with marketing for that. So do you work with a, spe- do you work with a specific charity or do you work with lots of different ones? So we've partnered with the COVA Project, who are yes. a Sydney-based charity who are run by Gina. And Gina um, has founded the COVA Project maybe three to four years ago now after she spent some time in Africa and saw the effects of period poverty there and the impacts it had on girls' lives in these countries. Mm. And she also saw it was a really simple problem to solve, which I think really attracted us to the work they do because they run community-led, so it's very about the community. They don't go in and solve the problems. They work with the community to help educate women on yeah. um, or menstruators in general about menstrual health and periods and then also supply menstrual cups, which for us it was really important to work with a um, charity that were using a sustainable option. Yes. Because, uh, as you may know, tampons and pads are flooding waste and disposal areas because of mm. the of usage and a menstrual cup is reusable for 10 years so oh wow it has that environmental factor and it also solves the problem so simply because you're not having to supply girls every single month with pads and tampons they're given a solution quite cheaply easily that's sustainable and safe to use for long periods of time so um, that really attracted us to the COVA project. And also um, period poverty has a massive impact on education in a lot of countries in Africa. Yeah. Um, and education is another thing we're super passionate about. Mm. No, I definitely think with the menstrual cup, I actually didn't think about it like that, but that would just probably be so much easier to teach people about and so much easier to use and have every day. So, yeah, that's amazing. I didn't even That didn't even cross my mind. Mm. I think in our Australian culture, like their period um, menstrual cups are relatively a new thing, but they've been in Europe Mm. decades and they're just what, like once I started using mine at first, I was like, oh, this is weird. And now I'm like, this is the best thing ever. (laughs) It is so convenient. It's so much cheaper because you only need one or two if you want to like cycle through them in between. But they're so good. Yeah. I'm not. Running Wasting. to the shop soon. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, no, that's amazing. No, I feel like that's such a great way of looking at it. No, I love that. So how did you find the Cova project? That was all gnomes. A good old Google. <laughs> Google, you can find anything on Google, I swear. And we knew we wanted to partner with like a big charity, I guess, because sometimes the money's lost in the yeah. whole running and all that kind of stuff of the charity. So kind of wanted something that was small where we would have the best, I guess, impact with our money that we were donating. So, And COVA's super transparent yeah. about where their money goes and stuff like that, which was important to us. And I think they've been, it's three to four years and they've already donated now 10,400 cups. Yeah. So oh, wow. Really big impact for yeah. a small charity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, that's amazing. That's incredible. Well done for helping out with that as well. Yeah, uh, we cannot take much credit, but we'll we'll claim a few bucks. <laughs> do you think that initiatives like this help to sell more bottles of wine? Do you think people are more likely to buy from somewhere that is offering sort of a donation aspect? 
I just I I think it does to some aspect, but not like a huge amount. I think we, especially with mm. wine, well, they I think it's more so they're gonna buy a bottle of wine, but then if they see something like this, they would choose this bottle over another kind of. So it's not gonna it's not yeah. it's not necessarily making people go out there and buy this wine for that aspect. But if they had a choice between this and another bottle, they would choose this bottle. So in that way, I think it does help with selling wine and then i somewhat disagree because i think there's a lot of people who would buy our wine purely because of the charity aspect because we're only an online business at this point in time many people don't know what the wine tastes like before they buy it which is a risk people aren't always willing to do that um and because up until recently you had to buy three bottles now you can buy one but before then okay. it was a bit more of investment so i think the charity did push people over the line for buying it and bring them to but um i do and i think in general brands having some kind of social cons um like construct or content or content so i was like I'm, it's some kind of c word and i'm not getting to it <laughs> we'll we'll see in the future be a really big, big trend thing, yeah. in buying and will make a difference yeah consumers are smarter these days and mm. want, yeah. want their money to be going towards something that's not i guess detrimental to either the environment or the people living on mm. on the work in the but as Nick was saying, I think the thing is people don't necessarily go looking for a wine that's donating to charity or they don't yeah. necessarily. Yeah, like it helps in some way, but it's not like it's this like big thing that people are just buying because it's charity. Mm. If they care about period poverty and they stumble across us, they're more likely to buy. But yeah. um, they're not. I don't think people type in like, I want a charity wine. wine. <laughs> Which we hope that it will be more like that in the future because it is such a, I guess, interesting and helpful way to run a business, I guess, having this social aspect. No, I kind of think as well, I feel like with donating to charities and sort of buying a bottle of wine and the proceeds just going straight to the charity for you, it's sort of like an easy way of helping out and I feel like people will be like oh well I don't have to do anything I just buy a bottle of wine and I know that my half my money's going to a great place so I kind of feel like that aspect might come into it as well Definitely. yeah for sure it's yeah. a win-win like you get wine and you're helping someone else like a lot of the mm. marketing we do is like raise a glass to yourself because you've just helped somebody like you can crack open crack open a bottle of bloody good wine and know that you're positively impacting somebody's life on the other side of the world and uh, you can't do that a lot with consumer goods. No, I love that. I love that motto as well. That's great. It's very catchy. <laughs> what do you think has been your most memorable moment that you've experienced so far during your wine and business journey? I have, uh, I can say like a, a memorable in a good way and a memorable in a bad way. Oh, yes. <laughs> a good way. And this is like a bit per- personal for me and Nick, but the, the, seeing the growth of Nick and how far he's come to embracing like conversations around period and menstrual health and being like instrumental in helping tackle the change in that. And I remember we were doing mm. an interview and just sitting and looking at him as he spoke about periods and women's health and how we should be embracing it and celebrating and how it's this natural part of life. And I was like, oh, my God, you're so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) And I just remember that and being like, I don't think that was something I expected to come from this journey. Yeah. Yeah. Because as I was saying, like, to begin with, like when I 
it was like periods and being a male you can't like it's kind of a thing it's almost like a taboo or kind of mm. uh subject and you don't really yeah gross. gross and you don't really talk about it but it's through that i guess talking and just having conversations about it is it just over time becomes less and less more i guess gross and then you're happy to talk about it around dinner with your mates if, <laughs> if they're not happy <laughs> or like educate them on like uh, like last week I was just having a conversation and I mentioned menstrual cups and he had no idea what that was and he had no idea how it worked so I had to <laughs> had to educate him on yeah how yeah. it works and he was yeah he was in like I guess shocked that he didn't know but also kind of impressed yeah. yeah. So yeah, that personal growth. Yeah. Uh, that has been one good memorable. The other, yeah. it's not a bad memorable, but I just re- I can't tell you exactly where I am, but I remember the moment where I like realized that all the hard work is still to come. <laughs> and yeah, the business. Like I remember being like, we launched it, we got it out there, we had our first month, we smashed it, and then maybe somewhere six weeks in, I went, oh god. <laughs> that, was <laughs> that, easy. Easy. that was the easy part. That was the easy part. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? And I, that was really rememberable. Re- rememberable is that the word? Uh, memorable? Memorable. I was like, that is <laughs> um, for me. And like a real salient lesson on business. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say my most memorable is through doing this, finding, I guess, my passion. Because mm. going through life, you're always told, like, do something that you love or that you're passionate about. And I kind of haven't felt that way until, I guess, this came across and realized that this is just such an important, I guess, aspect or an important subject in society today for women, but also having a social kind of conscious business is I guess the future I think that I see oh definitely I see business going is like more and more businesses will start to have this social aspect towards there so Nick you were saying that you had a wine label was that correct yes so um because I wanted to ask if you've both always worked in wine or what your wine background backgrounds are <laughs> names just drinks it Oh, I'm good at smelling things in the wine. We actually quite, yeah, we do um, get together and have like little wine tasting. But yeah, I have absolutely no, no background no. in wine, if you want to know the truth. Um, but Nick does, so he can tell. So uh, yeah, our family has a winery on the Mornington Peninsula. Yeah, so quite spoiled down there for wines, mainly because of Pinot Noir. Definitely my favourite wine. Yeah, so we do that. And then I, so that's, it's about on five acres um of we've got five acres of grapes vineyards and then we have a subcontractor who makes our wine so i helped him for what was it three seasons now making the wine so yeah i guess that's my background not no i guess education or but a lot of experience experience like, i think based, yeah. legitimately worked with a really good winemaker yeah, for yeah. like a season making the wines doing the whole process if like you do know quite yeah. a lot about it yeah learning the, yeah, I guess the process of making the wine, yeah. Do you source the grapes from your winery in the Mornington, from your family's winery in the Mornington Peninsula? Yes, so our Pinot Noir and our Rosé are sourced yeah. from that vineyard and then our champagne, oh, our, sorry, our sparkling white um, is sourced from our bubbles. Our bubbles. It's sourced from um, Adelaide. So, oh, amazing. But it comes from Tasmania. Oh, and the grapes come from Tasmania, sorry. We, yeah. We, yeah, they've grown in Tasmania. Yeah. It's made by a winemaker in Tasmania. Yeah. 
Oh, awesome. That's amazing. So it's, I kind of like that, that your family winery is still involved in it and it's still like quite a close to heart project as well. And I think it, for us, part the wine label really worked because I think privilege is a big word at the moment. It's a hot topic. And I think more of us could be using the privilege that we have and the access that we have to help others. And I think the wine label really shows that for us, like the... We had access to the wines and the winery and it was a good starting point. Like eventually Mm. we want to run other businesses with this same model with different products to encourage people to have social enterprises and to adopt this this model. And we wanted to use the privilege and the access we had to wine to really start that off. And there'd be so many people around the world who would have similar access and privilege that they could somehow take advantage of to help others where did the name come from oh it took a while to get there <laughs> it's uh, it, it's 50 50 most people will be like what does it even mean and then to us it just seemed like a common i guess well because tipsy aren't flow we aren't flows. at first yeah. we really wanted to do the bottles and the wine and the branding is all bloody good pinot bloody yeah good bubbles bloody good rosé and originally we were thinking of something along the lines of bloody good drop. Mm. And in the process of doing this, I think a water company maybe took that name before we yeah. did or something like that, which kind of sent us back to the drawing board. And once and we decided that we really wanted to incorporate periods into it. So I just pulled up this long list of all these different slang words that could be <laughs> like periods <laughs> like shark week and um <laughs> red rags and blood moon and all these like <laughs> things that everybody know like most people are aware of like oh aren't, aren't flows in yeah. town or aren't flows coming to visit or is aren't flow yeah. here meaning period but it also is like this persona and this person then we were just trying to figure out how to incorporate the alcohol side of it nick throughout the word tipsy, tipsy. and blom, it was just there <laughs> yeah. and then we just imagine like tipsy aunt's always like you know, your aunt who maybe hasn't had kids yet or may not want yeah. to, like she was down there fighting for your rights with her big signs, like raging for women's rights, always a little bit drunk at the event, too cool, travelled the world, like she just <laughs> popped in. It's kind of the vibe the of vibe, the, the persona, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I kind of, that's the, that's the image that I kind of got when I heard the name for the first time as well. So it's defi- it definitely comes across like that. Perfect. <laughs> Good to hear. Can you tell me a little bit more about the Bleeders Club? What is it and what does it involve? Can do. So the Bleeders Club is Tipsy Aunt Flow's initiative because our two main missions are to end period poverty, which we do through our donations, and then end period shame. So the Bleeders Club really tackles that period shame side of things. So it's a club where strong menstruators are invited to speak up about their periods and we have it in a blog form on the website or a video form on the Instagram. And Mm. the menstruators are asked questions around their first period, um, their must-haves and an embarrassing story. And it's just been so fun doing this because there's just common themes for all these, for all the people who talk about their periods. But then there's also just some wacky out there (laughs) stuff that comes up. And and it's really about, I guess, empowering the next generation of girls to not feel as shameful about their periods because we're all openly talking about the different experiences and what's similar and different and 
Yeah, like I, one of the things I love the most is one of our girls spoke about how her mum and her family, when she got her period for the first time, threw her a moon party. Oh, wow. Yeah, all the menstruators in her family all got together and they all hung out and talked about what it meant to have your period and to be a woman and celebrating this next stage of her life and all this stuff. And I was like, this is brilliant. Where was my moon party? (laughs) That sounds amazing. I've never heard of that before. No, so very, very interesting. And then there's common threads like, People like leak through stories and or being ashamed to tell, embarrassed. And then most girls and most of the menstruators will say, I was so embarrassed then, but now if that happened, I wouldn't even care because Mm. they've like grown into themselves. So the hope is that by talking about this, we can have it so younger menstruators aren't embarrassed when it does first happen to them, or if they are embarrassed, it's not as much of a shameful experience experience, yeah Yeah, no I feel like everyone's had an embarrassing period story as well so (laughs) it's good to kind of like talk about it and laugh about it and yeah oh it's so funny I love watching the videos like I just sit there and cackle like a little (laughs) witch that's just so funny (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's so funny I feel like as well that Gen Z is very open about talking about all of these sorts of things as well so that kind of helps and then if we're talking about it too it kind of like pushes that more out there yeah yeah i'm a very strong believer if we can't if females can't talk about it with each other and more openly how we're meant to expect our partners to be comfortable talking about it it's one of those issues i think that violence against women is a male issue like you guys got Mm. to figure that one out but like female um reproductive health and like the shame around those conversations actually starts with females being more comfortable to speak about it so the male counterparts can actually be educated and then feel comfortable that's how nick learned Mm. what do you think the wine industry will see more or less of in 2021 i think he's seen this push towards wine in cans so kind of yes <laughs> and de-snobbing wine de-snobbing think, wine is big thing yeah cans. yeah making it accessible to everyone I, I, I guess would you guys ever release a wine in a can or a boxed wine well that's the plan and Nick just asked <laughs> she's like Shush. everybody who's listening to go put their wine, wine in, in a can, can because we we're not there yet, but we need to do it. <laughs> so, yes. We, so, yes, yes I just spoiled. And now we're going to have to move up operation plans, which are at current stage zero to, like, stage 15. So get to work. Yeah, I, I think why you're even seeing wine in, like, the cartons, I think, like yeah, what. Yeah, um, cask wine coming yeah, back, yeah. Kind of like what coconut water comes in. I've mm. kind of seen wine come out in that now. I think it's like a fab idea because most people my age, especially women, like you want a glass of wine. You don't yeah. want, and like from a mental health point of view and just a health point of view, it's so much better to be able to have people access just one glass of wine because once you open it, you know you have to drink it within a certain amount of time so then people may be drinking more. Mm. 
So. Yes, well, my, this week's episode that I'm currently editing is with a glass off um, and they do the little goon sacks, sort of like the little Capri Sun um, style pouches and they were great. It's like a glass and a half and I got through the pack of five very quickly. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I need more. But it's such, yeah, it's a great way to be able to have a glass and a half of wine. Yeah. And I, I guess plays into the whole push for to be more environmental. Yes. So in my own, I guess, um, research and doing that, I found that they're even doing like um, bottles that are made from recycled plastic. They come in like mailer size, so you can mail them out. So it's oh wow! As a, I guess a glass bottle, traditional glass bottle. Which and glass isn't even that easy to recycle anymore. Yeah, and is quite mm. like a um, energy consuming product to make. So and to yeah. ship and, and yeah. ship and all that. Yeah. So it's good to see that the wine industry as a whole is starting to think, I guess, a bit more sustainably. Yeah. And I think it's the young, our younger millennial generation who are pushing that. Mm, sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So my next question, well, this kind of ties in with my next question because what's next for Tipsy Aunt Flo? Any new wine releases? Any new varieties that you're releasing? And any goals that you're hoping to smash? We want to get in stores, yeah. um, into retail, and we just have honestly been a little bit lazy about it, um, mm. which I probably shouldn't have said that. But, yeah. <laughs> well, we thought we could um, really push the online, I guess, aspect of selling wine, but as it goes on, we realise that people tend to want to taste the wine or will want to taste the wine before, yeah. right, before they buy it and... Well, I think people want wine when they want wine. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. if we want a bottle of wine, we go to the bottle at the end of our street and buy the yeah. bottle of wine. We don't have the foresight to where, like, buy if you mm. want wine from us, it'll get there in a week. So there's that, yeah. that kind of blockage in the demand. And I also think our labelling and our branding is super strong that we would stand out in a shop. Uh, our bottle, like... I know I buy off the label a lot of the same. Time. So if I walked into a bottle and I saw like our big bright pink ones and like yellow and red and it said bloody this and stuff on it, I'd be like that one, I want that one. And then I'd pick <laughs> yeah. it up and I'd see the charity aspect. Back to them, you definitely buy it, yeah. So that uh, would be our next step. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing in bottle, like the um, bottle shops is you'd, you, well, you'd be hard picked to find a bottle of wine that donates to charity. So in that yes. itself would be, a, um, I guess, a, a differentiation factor mm-hmm. of, well, yes, yeah, where people would go in and see mm-hmm. that and buy it for that, mm-hmm. for that reason, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm the same. I shop, if I'm not sure what I'm buying, I definitely shop from the label and your labels, is, your marketing is amazing and your packaging is amazing. So I definitely feel like if I saw that, I'd be like, uh, yes, this is pretty great. And also it works well as a gift as well because I find when I'm looking for a gift for someone, and I sort of am looking through wine. Something with like a fun label is always like something nice to give. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I think we do find that a bit that people are buying for gifts as well. Well, I remember I had an auntie who bought her, but I think one year I got like a goat for a present. <laughs> a goat, I mean like a kid, which I think this is brilliant. Like adult me thinks this is great. But I was mm. like a card like, you donated a goat to a kid. And I was like, well, I don't even get this. So, like, I think it's nice that our wine gives you the opportunity to still give somebody something physical, yet yes. so a charity aspect to the gift. So you're doing a bit of both, mm. which is nice because in the end people do love presents. Mm. They do. No, I agree. Like when you're a child, you'd always adopt an orangutan or a 
adopt a donkey at the like donkey sanctuary and then you'd be like but i never see this donkey so like what's the point <laughs> so yeah everybody probably has the same picture of this donkey, donkey. in their house it's not even my donkey, donkey. <laughs> oh my god i know everyone's adopted the same donkeys <laughs> but yeah no i like being yeah it's nice to kind of have something to go along with it no i really mm. like that mm. yeah definitely are there any um goals that you're hoping to smash is there anything to do with the cover project that you're hoping to smash out just sell as much mm. wine as possible. Mm. I yes. know that's not very specific, but that is probably one area that we do want to focus a little bit more on figuring out those exact like milestone goals because right now we're just kind of like, yeah, we'll sell as much as we can, but it's probably more workable to have measurable goals. Mm. We yeah. will yeah. be moving over to a new vintage for the rosé soon though. Yes, and a new bottle. And a new bottle. Oh, oh, yeah. Awesome. New, a new label or just a new bottle style? New bottle style, same label. Same label. Maybe yeah. with slight tweaks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Who, does your, who does your marketing and packaging? We do. <laughs> I said there was a weird sound to that because we're looking into expanding by bringing someone in to do marketing because um nick as he said he works in events and i'm actually a provisional psychologist so oh wow we have a lot on our plate so it would be good to now expand a little bit to have somebody focus more on just task mm. and growing the label but up to now it's been it's just been, been us, us. Yeah. and we did have help from a wonderful graphic designer emily who helped us bring our idea actually professionally done as opposed to just the really yeah. poor mock-ups I did in uh, Photoshop. And, yeah, bring Pixie Flow to life. Yeah. More so. What wines are you both drinking right now? We recently went out to dinner and had a wine from Geelong. Uh, it's called Jack and Jill. You just stole my wine. Oh, sorry. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> are you going to say that French one? You don't know how to Oh, the French. <laughs> I am just making him do it because it's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we really enjoyed that one. Yeah, Jack, Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill, yeah. It's nice. Enjoy. I'm actually quite a picky wine drinker. Mm. Like I either will love it or I'll hate it when I drink it. Mm. Um, I just taste certain things really That's strongly in wine. So that one I thought was really beautiful. For me, I didn't even really drink wine, what, three years ago? And now, oh, what? Yeah, I'll drink anything in front of me. how did you not drink wine when your family owns a vineyard (laughs) i don't know i always thought it was a silly idea that they um brought it but then i don't know he now owns a wine label that sounds so funny (laughs) but i think that's the i don't know i think it's those things that you grow up and you know that you don't you might taste it like have a sip of your mum's wine yeah have her chardonnay and be like oh why would i drink this and then you never go back to it because you kind of know that you don't like it. So it wasn't until like three years ago, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll give it a try. And then and then liked it. Yeah, whole another world to me, yeah. And he had a little sip, it hit the, his tongue and his taste buds exploded. exploded the neurons yeah. in his brain just started firing. He's like, whoa. Whoa, what is this? Yeah. Talking about having a bottle of wine with dinner, what's your favourite food and wine pairing if you have one? I do reckon I like a red with an Italian meal mm. a lot of the time, like. Well, that's what we mainly drink Normally, red wine yeah, with. Yeah, it's like we'll go out and have Italian or something and have red wine. Yeah. Um, but, like, I'm not, again, a very great person to uh, I own a wine label. I need to be better. But because I'm very particular in my taste, I love a Pinot and I mostly just like reds. So I'm reds only go with so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, more so enjoy, I guess, 
deciphering what each wine will mm. smell or taste like. So we kind of treat it as like, I guess, a little experiment. Yeah. So we don't mm. normally pair eat, it, with, pair it food. with foods. Yeah, because we find it quite interesting to. I do love a Tempranillo. Is Tempranillo? Tempranillo. Yeah. Yeah, no, me too. No, and also as well, everyone that I've asked, like even all the winemakers and everything, they all kind of, they either say a classic pairing or they say they don't have one and they just drink it with whatever. So (laughs) I think wine, like we're moving a lot more away from like white wine should be with chicken or this should be with this Yeah, People just drink the wine they like. Like once, if it's been perfectly paired, like you do the Montelto pairing, then you you can really taste the flavors and this different stuff. Appreciate it. But your normal restaurant wine with a meal, it's probably not going to do much. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, I agree. Choose a wine that you like, kind of thing. I just go to the sections I like, and I'm like, (laughs) oh, these sound interesting. And then we sit there and we (laughs) smell and we pick out what we can smell and what we can taste (laughs) and stuff. Because we don't do that with our food; we just do it with our wine. Yeah. (laughs) food I'm just like get in me, me. <laughs> no I'm the same I kind of if I feel like a glass of red and I'm having whatever then I'll just have a glass of red if I feel like something else I have something else I'm very like laid back when it comes to that yeah. <laughs> what's your favorite food and wine pairing I actually tried one recently that um someone from BWS said on the podcast which is champagne or sparkling with fried chicken and that was really good and he was like yeah it's one of those like unheard of like sort of people are always like oh I don't know but he's like that's the best one so I was like right I'll give it a go with um because I said to him I was like oh do you mean like fried chicken you've made or could you just do KFC and he's like do KFC it's the best and I did it and it was so good Mm, well we really like grilled do these I'm getting off topic but they do these like (laughs) it's because we don't eat gluten like I can Mm. eat it um and maybe we can get that Damn. and have a glass of our bloody good bubbles. Mm, that would be amazing. I can't eat gluten either, so <laughs> well, those grilled things are delicious. Grilled mm. chicken yeah. mm. uh, And I guess that plays into the whole thing of like, I guess, making wine less snobby because mm. that is just yes. a perfect example of it. Fried chicken and champagne. That's just that image is just amazing. <laughs> No, definitely. We also said if we if you if it's with KFC, then you have more money to spend on a nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's finger licking fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, it's so good. I just wanted to say a massive thank you for joining me today. We're coming up to the last question. So, from your three different bottles that you currently have at the moment, which would you take to a dinner party, a barbecue, and bring out for a girls' night? Well, Pinot. Pinot for the, for the dinner party. Dinner party for sure. Yeah. Um, the barbecue, I would take the rosé. Oh. Different. Oh. <laughs> why the bubbles and why the rosé? Well, I was more so thinking rosé for a girls' night, so process of elimination, bubbles to a barbecue. all my girls like to drink, I feel like bubbles more like bubbles can be a night thing on the girls night where i think rosé at a barbecue i think of a nice sunny day a nice chilled rosé kind of pairs better to me true yeah Mm. bubbles for me is just more i guess celebratory with your friends so that's what a girls night is true (laughs) true. there you go i'm like what are you doing your barbecues (laughs) that you celebrate just out in the backyard putting some snags on (laughs) party No, I think that the last two you could really take whatever you wanted, but the Pinot, I'd probably take the Pinot at all. (laughs) 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 But it's my favourite. I have, uh, I'm biased to my little Pinot baby. (laughs) So is the Pinot both of your favourites? Ooh, 
in out of those. I have no three. favorites. Out of those three, you don't That's have a favorite. No, it would be toss up between the bubbles and the. Um, oh, no, I don't know. Because then the rose is quite unique in itself. I can't choose. But if you, which one would you prefer to drink? If I had to pick one yet to drink, it would probably be yeah, the Pinot. Yeah, the Pinot. With the dinner, I just yeah. forced him in into saying that. <laughs> yeah, you're like the Pinot. <laughs> I'll be the mother who can pick my favorite child, and he'll be like, "No, I love them you all all. equally." And I'm like, "But really, on the D it's this one." Mm. Yeah. Oh my god! I know. I just said that was the last question, but I just yeah. came up with another question. Sorry. Um, you said your rosé was a slightly different style. What's sort of? Is it more of a French style? Is it more? So it is because on our vineyard, it's quite random. We have Cab Sav um, grapes, yeah. like Sauvignon, which is quite bizarre for where we are because it's quite a cool climate area, um, which is why the Pinot Noir grows well. So it's only like about one in every four years we get a, a warm enough season that the actual it makes sense to make the Cab Sav. So okay. in those other years, we use the Capsap grapes to make a rosé. Ah, okay. So it's a little bit of a darker style. Darker yeah. style, yeah. You can see that in the colour. Colour. Like it's and like the, a yeah. pinky orange colour. Well, at the moment, this year's vintage is almost, yeah, really, it's almost like a yeah bright oh, orange. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... Oh, that sounds amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, it's been an amazing chat. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe and share with your friends. I'll see you next week for another closer look into the wine industry. Now go and grab that glass of wine. You deserve it.